All right, folks, nine o'clock Sunday. It's the Crack House Podcast. My name is Michael Sullivan. Joining me, as always, in everything Crack House-ish, Crack Head-ish, whatever you want to call it, is my man Chris Musky Muscolino. What's up, dude? Big Mike, what's good, man? Nah, nothing. Everything. Long day today. Was out. One of my kids plays softball, so I was just at the field. It's it's the most draining thing in the world. You're not doing anything, but man, when you sit out in that heat all day, and you just—I guess it's just getting old too, man. You sit out in that heat all day. You're just shot when you get home. Like you just you, want—you you just want to collapse. You want to take a shower and then just collapse. I was out DJing last night for a graduation party. Same deal. You get old, man. You get close to fifty, and it's like the heat starts taking its toll on you. Oh yeah, it just stuff eats. that you could do like twenty years ago or even ten years ago. You know, all of a sudden you need kids to help you and people to help you. It's uh, yeah, it just beats the shit. like the sun just beats the shit out of you at a certain age. Like you just want to. It's it, it was like being at the beach when you were a kid. Yeah, and like man. you pat like I want to pass out in the car going home, and I can't because I got to drive home. But I tell you, man, uh-huh. I, I think we alluded to this in a, in a couple of pre- prior podcasts, and this is like, it's like my favorite time of the year, you know, and it harkens back. I know you went into uh, to see the Van Gogh exhibit, and uh, a couple of my buddies want to drag me into the city to check it out. But, you know, July 4th is coming up next week. Yeah. Summer's in full gear almost. It's beach time. And uh, just harkens back to a different time, man, when we were kids. You know, I just remember growing up in Astoria and, uh, you know, sitting around July 4th, and it was like, all hell would break loose around that time. I don't know if you remember it too much, but yeah, it was, uh, you know, you would, well, you have to go number one, you would have to go find the guy selling illegal fireworks. Right. That was like the one neighborhood thing. I remember one year going down to, what was it? Wallbaums on 33rd street. No, on 37 down by the, uh, the playground over there, like 37th and 21st Avenue. Right. Right behind ICYP. And there was a guy, just, just some dude. Somebody said, go down there. There's a guy with it. And there was a guy, this sketchy, white, trashy looking dude with his trunk open in his car. And he was just like leaning on his trunk like this. And you would just go up to this guy and be like, what do you got? And I was a little kid on my dirt bike. And he just opened the trunk. He's like, well, what do you want? And you'd look and be like, how much is that? How much is that? The guy never budged on the price. It was, you know, if you had 10 bucks, he goes, here's 10 bucks worth of fire. You weren't getting anything extra, nothing else. And that's how I remember it. Either that or you drove into like people don't get like used to be able to drive into Chinatown and buy fireworks. So is it still a thing? I mean, can I mean, do people still shoot off fireworks? I mean, uh, in Queens, man, it's still going on. It still goes on. and, And now since like, you know, no one's doing anything. You know, there's there's less and less enforcement in the city. <laughs> Dude, it's like my neighborhood is a pretty like, uh, I guess you call it residential, but there are nights it sounds like uh, Beirut. And, and that's and like, what I remember, especially man. with like middle. You know, like I yeah. live right next to Middle Village, which is like predominantly Italian, and Italians love fireworks, man. They love blowing <laughs> shit up. And I remember back in the day, like probably in the late eighties, you know, I remember, I remember the Gotti thing, I guess at the, uh, the Ravenite in, in Ozone park for those who were from that area, Queens, I remember I, I was hanging out with a couple of kids from Richmond Hill and stuff. And we used to go over there to check out the fireworks show there. But, um, I remember our block, man. I, I remember vividly a couple of things strike out, you know, for those that grew up in Astoria, man, I, I remember Astoria park being off the hook around that, that around that time people like sneaking in like after nine o'clock, you know, right around this time of year. Um, 
I remember one guy blew his hand off. I don't know if you had moved to the neighborhood at that point, but um, they were lighting, you know, basically on me and Michael's block, there was, you know, every year was fireworks, but there were certain years that was just even crazier. Like guys were like putting M80s in garbage cans. And Michael, Michael basically lives under the Hell's Gates bridge. You know, he lives right right Uh up the block from my parents and stuff. But it used to be like a contest. Kids used to like put M80s in, in the garbage can to see who could shoot the, the goddamn garbage can higher in the air. And I remember one year, I guess one guy, he blew his hand off, man. I don't know if you remember it. I mean, it was insane. I mean, uh, people going crazy. And like Michael says, it, it was like goddamn Beirut, man. But it was yeah, so fun. You know? and it, it, it was like it was like the week before Fourth of July and the week after, man. It right. just The city just sounded like it was. It was like World War Three. I remember one year, me, I had an M80. I was with uh, Paul Agostino. And we were, oh, Paul. Oh, Paul. He, come on. <laughs> we, we were in the, the U-yard at 122 up the block. Right, right. Which was like a big schoolyard where we used to play ball. We had just a coffee can and we covered it with an M80. And we put, we put it over an M80. And it just disintegrated the can. Like we thought the can was gonna fly up. <laughs> this coffee can just disintegrated. There was like shrapnel. We should have been hit with shrapnel. Like that's how much like shit went everywhere. And it was so loud because it was so enclosed the area. Oh man, yeah, but it, it is man. People people would blow out windows. People would like throw M80s under cars. It was I mean, insane. It, it man. was crazy. And I would tell you, you're you're absolutely right. From like this week to like the week after. And I think it would kick into like the beginning first week or second week of August, I guess, when I guess people going on vacation and stuff. Literally, if it was a hot summer in Astoria, man, I, I don't know where everybody else is from. You know, I mean, me and Michael have friends from all over the place and stuff, different parts of the country. But I would say from like June 20, you know, this week to like August 1st, you know, August 7th, when people would go away on vacation, crazy shit would happen, man, especially back in the 70s and the 80s. Like, Everybody was on the stoops, you know, it's just like, you know, the movies that you see and stuff that in capture old Brooklyn and old Queens and stuff. And everybody was up to like, you know, it was like a, a cat on a hot tin roof. I mean, it, that's the best way I can explain it. Like, you know, fights yeah. breaking out, the fireworks, the craziness. Yeah, no one. Yeah, no one cared. Most of the adults were like half in the bag already because they had been right. drinking and barbecuing all day, you know. Yeah. Someone, some adult would give you like a cigar and be like, here, take the cigar and go light all the fireworks off. <laughs> or you would go buy the punks from like the ice cream truck. They didn't care either. You could now, go for those buy that. I remember, I don't know if you remember, Story of Park closed at like nine o'clock, if, yeah. I, if I remember correctly, right? And then it was yeah. a big thing, I guess, for guys to jump the fence yeah. and get in, you know, and swim, you know, when it was like brutally hot. You know, I remember a couple summers where, you know, heat wave, it didn't last like a couple of days, you know. We could maybe talk about global warming, Mike, at some point or climate change, or whatever the hell you want to call it these days. But I don't know about you, but I remember a couple of summers where it just seemed like it was 90 degrees for like two months straight. You know, there was yeah. like no break. No. <laughs> I remember like leaving our houses and walking up to like Steinway Street, like going to the movies. And right. you just felt like you melted by the time you got <laughs> right, to the movie theater. Man. Right. And like from our house to the movie theater, it was probably like a mile and a half. I don't know you. I mean, you made a reverse trip. So you you came from Port Jeff. So I, I was born and raised in Astoria. Michael uh, Michael moved, I guess, back to Astoria when he was about eight or nine. But I guess his family lived out in Port Jeff at some point. So he yeah. made the he made the reverse trip. I moved further out east. He came the other direction. My family's still there. His family's still there. But I'm on I'm in Suffolk County. And for yeah, me, you're the only one that really went out that far. I was out right. by you today. I, that's what a softball game was. Oh like, yeah, out like. Was that like and exit I don't 64? Know, I, I don't know if you you experienced it when you're out here and stuff. It always seems like a couple degrees cooler out here than Oh here. yeah, 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 yeah. At night. You know, yeah. It's like I could be in I could be at my parents' house and it's like 90, 95, and I come out to my house and it's still hot, but it's like 85, like it's you know, almost like a New England feel, you know? I mean it's it's, it's weird to explain. No, like, it is. Go, no, it's it's always cooler out there. But I mean too, man, like you, you don't have as many people living out there either. Yeah. yeah, you know, yeah. it's not everyone huddled in this. How many apartment buildings are out by you? You know, no, nah, man. Yeah. You know? And even in the wintertime man, in the wintertime, it's like the same shit. It's like, you know, you guys will get a couple inches there. And out here we get blasted like 12 inches, 13 inches. It's the weirdest shit. 
I don't know. But now I figured we'd talk about the summer, man. It's getting hot. I got a lot of gigs coming up. I did a couple graduation parties. COVID's over, man. I mean, I'm watching ball games, you know, with 75, 80% capacity. You're in yeah, the city, yeah. you know, at the Van Gogh experience. You know, I, I'm excited, man. You know, it's been a long time coming. You know, I think by September, you know, COVID will be a distant memory for a lot of people, hopefully. Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the the Van Gogh exhibit, um, I, I think it was kind of a little sham. I didn't think it was anything special. Right, right, right. Um, I'm not going to give away what, you know, it's just like it, it was an interactive thing with his artwork. I will just say this about it. If you if you're an art lover, go. If you, you appreciate art, go go check it out. If you can get your hands on mushrooms, acid, edible weed, any type of hallucinogen, take it before you go. And it's gonna be legal, folks. You're yeah, not gonna it's, have to worry. It's, it's all legal, it. but going in there sober. I went in there sober, and it sucked. My, it was, um, it was like watch. It's like a little bit of a movie thing going on, and you were just like, "All right, it's over. I'm done. Let's go." Some of my kids' uh, f- uh, friends, you know, we hang out with a group of people. They, they, they you know, for, they brought it up a couple weeks ago. They're like, "Oh, let's go into the city. Let's check this thing out." I'm like, "Van Gogh. That's the guy who cut his ear off, right?" You know, I mean, yeah. <laughs> you know, I remember being in the Hayden Planetarium back in the day in the summer. I remember on the trips at school and stuff, and watching the Pink Floyd shows, if you remember, but. Oh yeah, it's exactly like that. You you gotta have uh, you you gotta bring party favors with you. That's all I'll say. Bring a party favor with you when you go see this thing. Do not go in clear headed. You will not enjoy it. And going back to crazy shit in the city in the summer, right? So check this out. I you know I think we talked about this off air. I don't know if anybody saw this this week, but how about this guy who who basically is a North Carolina guy? He's an engineer, and I guess in the middle of Times Square. He's riding around like the goddamn Green Goblin. He was on a yeah. What the yeah? The guy was flying around on a hoverboard, man. Dude, how cool was that? I I watched the video on Twitter. I'm like, what the f, man? And you know what? Somebody brought up a good point on Twitter. They were like, you know, for people from New York City, that shit just doesn't phase you. You know, you're walking around New York City, and you you know you're in Times Square, and you know I'm looking at it in video, but I'm thinking to myself like, if I saw that, if I was walking down the street, if I was down 42nd street and you know whatever and i saw this guy flying around like the goddamn green go- goblin like on a hoverboard i don't think it really would phase me mike would it you uh, oh like, I, I mean I, I would do like a side glance yeah you know, you're right? gonna do a double t- like holy shit that guy's flying across fucking times so you're definitely <laughs> gonna do that that's definitely gonna like enter your mind but you know what i see so you know what it is man because everything's so commercial now the first thing out of my mind the first thing in my mind would be like was it staged? Oh, what company just Sponsored paid a million? Do- yeah, is this guy yeah. got like a Reebok jacket on or whatever? So, but I'm surprised he didn't get in trouble for it. Allegedly, before- I think he they they reported him because I guess there's some sort of rules with with uh, <coughs> I guess flying in crowded areas that kind of stuff and so low to the ground, which he was pretty low. Yeah. He's about 30 or 40 feet, I guess, up in the air, I guess, if that. Yeah, that's got to. Vi- yeah, I, I like I saw part of the video and it's got to vi- it's, it's got to violate something what this guy did, because I'm sure he had no he has no permit to fly it, no license to fly anything like it. it, it it's a little weird. So he's probably definitely going to get slapped with fines. Down think about the road. this. That shit's going to be legal at some point. I mean, between. Oh, it's, it's going to be a, a mode of transportation right. eventually between driverless cars, between flying cars, that shit. They're going to figure shit out whether that's going to be the norm at some point. I just expected it at this point, looking back, like, you know, you know, bringing up a movie, for example. I looked at a lot of stuff in Back to the Future when we were kids, the first one. And I said, you know what? By now, I figured we have flying cars. I figured that a lot of the technology that you saw back then would have came. There's certain stuff like I never envisioned would have ever happened. I never envisioned I'd have a cell phone, basically a computer in my hand, you know, you know, no, operating no. Yeah, Commodore yeah. 64 in 1987, yeah. 1988, right? But um, there's some shit like I fully yeah. expected that we'd have by now. You know, like flying cars, I fully expected by our time. But, yeah. um, you know, the reality of it is I think the technology is coming along so quickly. Like, I think within our lifetime, I mean, a lot of this stuff will come to fruition. And I think shit like this, it's not going to be like uh, like a carnival act. I think it's going to be. Oh, no, yeah, no, it's going to be. It's the same thing when there was like. Uh... When segways first started, I mean, now it's like the segways kind of like morphed into things. 
like there's that little wheel thing. You just put your feet on both sides. People zip around. There's electric scooters everywhere. Yeah, yeah. You know, those electric scooters, electric bikes, which were outlawed in the city. And then after once COVID started, you needed to get a delivery guy everywhere. So yeah. they, they just let the, the e-bike thing. They just let it go. I don't know if they're ever going to outlaw it now because so I many people understood that. Like, like I'm driving to my parents' house, right? You know, on 21st Street around that in that area. And I'm like, I see like these Citibank bikes, like just, you know, you know, basically parked. And I'm thinking to myself yeah. back when we grew up, these things would have been lifted like, you know, one, two, three. Right. They no, were. No. I, I talked to a cop one time about it down. Uh, they have like a whole bunch of them down by the Staten Island Ferry. OK. And I mean, they do get stolen when they first came out, like those docks they're in. Right. The guy was explaining to me, he goes, these things are so easy to pull out of the. All you had to do is lift the bike up and pull back. They supposedly fixed it, but he said it used to be so easy. But here's the other thing. All those bikes <laughs> had GPS. So okay, once they're okay. reported stolen, if the cop wanted, if a cop wants to track one down, he can. They'll find it through GPS. And the, and here was the kicker. If you got locked up with one of them, it was a felony. Oh, those okay. bikes are those bikes were over a thousand bucks. So you were getting George. slapped. So instead of just stealing a bike, you were getting slapped with a grand loss and a felony. So you want to hear a funny story uh, similar to what you just explained on how to, how to recover the bikes and stuff. Yeah. So our friend George, who came on the show a couple weeks ago, right? The uh, the yeah. actor and stuff, the uh, the stunt guy. Yeah. We're at St. John's, right? And I guess I guess George did something wrong, right? <laughs> so I guess he was getting too many parking tickets in the St. John's parking lot. So they were looking for this guy in class, right? You know, he, they, the security people come, hey, is George here? George here? Nobody, you know, the classes we, you know, he basically, you know, just sat there and just like, like a, like a, you know, a mime. So eventually, I guess what happened was they booted his car. They booted his, his car <laughs> in, in the St. John's parking lot so he couldn't move. So I'm with him. So the, basically, he did what exactly what you said with the bikes. He, he backed up. And then I guess somehow he had like a cutter in, in his back seat of the car and he cut the boot and he left a note for the security guy saying something to the effect of nice try dicks. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, 30 years ago, you could get away with it. That's why I'm saying like today, like, you know, contrasting like the bikes now versus back then, oh, yeah. I mean, those things would have been. <laughs> yeah. The guy said it. One, one cop told me, he goes, it's so easy. He goes, you just up, up and back. He goes, they pop out like nothing. Right, right, right. So now it was right. cool. I, I saw that. I saw that a couple of days ago on Twitter. And I, I you know, I looked at that uh, challenge. At, uh, I'm sorry, the hoverboard thing. And I'm like, wow, man, you know, well, well let me ask you this: Have you ever ridden like a Segway or anything like that? They're awesome. I nah, rode a Segway once uh, like two years ago. I was in uh, New Orleans. Okay. I did a Segway tour of New Orleans, like just the French quarter down there, like Bourbon Street and everything. Okay. Those things are awesome. If it, because I don't think they're that legal up. I don't think they're legal in New York City to have. Okay. If I could get one, I would get one up here. Those things fly. They and they're easy to drive. You just put a little pressure up front, like you just lean forward a little bit, and these things take off. Let me ask you this, man. But you can get fucked up on it. If Let me you ask wipe you this. Out. <laughs> you brought it up, right? So yeah. ex-law enforcement, right? And all, all the cops out there. What's the roughest area you've been in? So I've been to Bourbon Street. A guy watches the show, my friend Joe. He's got an interesting story about Bourbon Street. We grew up a st in a story in the 70s and the 80s. What's the roughest place in America that you've been to? Um, was it Bourbon Street? Because I thought it was pretty rough in the early 90s. When well, I was Bourbon Street, I, I mean, I was just there two years ago. Uh, let's put it this way. I, You know, you were there in the 90s. I was there two years ago, and we took a couple, like, walking tours and stuff like that. One right. was at night. About eight, nine o'clock at night, by nine o'clock, because it was dark already. It was the summertime. Okay. <laughs> Excuse me. And the, the the girl doing the tour, there's a lot of like hipstery weirdos down there. Okay. Every, everything's haunted down there. But the girl said it. She goes, there's a bar that's haunted two blocks that way. But I suggest you do not go there by yourself. Because, <laughs> I yeah, I'll say this. If, if people don't know Bourbon Street, if you wander off a couple of blocks in either direction, Good night and God bless, man. So I'll give you my top three. Um, number one, Atlantic City. Yeah. Okay. What a, I was I remember going there like yeah, right. early early nineties. Atlantic fun. City for me is probably right up there. It's number one or close to two. 
I was in Detroit a long, long time ago for one of the All-Star games, like back in the 90s, uh, whenever the hell it was. might have been early 2000s. That was pretty rough. I, yeah. um, I'll tell you what, we, we grew up, a story back in the 70s, probably early 80s, you know, near Fishbinds, up on 21st Street. Yeah, sir, there, there were certain places. Certain areas, that, yeah, right? If you, went, if you went certain places, you you took your life into your own hands. But um, I mean, like, if if let's put it this way, you know, people want to say a story is a story. If we walk ten blocks from where we lived, we 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 could have issues. If we walk to the <laughs> other side of a story apart, it could get a little hairy, right? <laughs> my brother, my brother and I were reminiscing about a story, uh, you know, another summer story, right? So we're we're coming home. I had a couple of friends of mine, fraternity brothers from St. John's, right? But a fraternity formal was like, you know, this time of year, right? Or maybe a little bit earlier. And uh, I don't know if you remember it. There was a guy up the block. I guess he got into an argument. And the other guy was in the 122 schoolyard. And he shot the guy dead. And I guess there was like um, a white chalk line in front of uh, Eddie's house. Yeah, 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 yeah. There was blood in front of my parents' house because of that guy. So the guys from St. John's, they were all from all parts of, you know, you know, wherever, right? Say so like, oh my God, there's there's a chalk outline in front of your house. I go, it's not in front of my house. It's two houses down. They're like, where the fuck do you live? This is crazy. So mm-hmm. we we, the story goes. I guess my brother my brother Jason ended up knowing one of the guys involved, and I guess there was an altercation up at one twenty two. The guy was with his girlfriend, and I guess one guy got the better of the other guy. He hit him with a bat or something. The other guy came back and shot him dead. And I guess he came down one twenty two, down twenty third. And I guess he dropped dead in front of uh, Eddie's Eddie's place, uh, Abba Abba's, and uh, oh shit, nickname for uh, yeah. one of our neighbors. <laughs> now, I'll say two two places I went to that were real shitty. Where is both in the nineties? One was DC, Washington, like everything outside DC, of DC. Oh yeah, back in the Scouts, man. So no, me and Michael and the Boy Scouts, we used to go all over the country, man. And uh, I remember a trip like back in 87 or 88 when we were in D.C., like in uh, Marion Berry's uh, Washington, D.C., <laughs> right around the time where Welcome to the Jungle from Guns N' Roses was first released. We were still in uh, like in a youth hostel with like the Boy Scouts and stuff. And I, I remember the Boy Scout leader at the time, John, he was telling us, you know, like, stay tight, you know, like yeah. warning us of like all the bad areas. Dude, that was a pretty bad spot. Dude, I did. I was down there in like 94. 94- five-ish this is about 95-ish 96 with three other guys i worked with yeah we went to go see a band from another guy i worked with who was in like this college band the band is called too much joy they're okay. they were a huge college band they're still around uh my buddy tommy and i was with my friend scotty ronnie and frank we drove okay. down there and one of the nights we saw the band we're going back to the hotel and we're like, oh, man, I got to take a leak. So we stop into a police station. And we just start talking to him. We're like, hey, we're from New York City. We're cops and blah, 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 blah. We, one thing led to another. And the, the cop there goes, want to go for a ride along? So we're like, all right. Man, this guy drove us around like the ghetto of D.C. And like, <laughs> I was like, dude, none of us have guns or anything. We're like, what? Like, get us. To-. I'll say that was bad. And. Baltimore. Yeah, I've been to Baltimore. I've been to Baltimore. I went to like the 42nd Street, I guess, of like Baltimore. Oh my God. Man. I, felt you know like, I felt I like it was like me and we, I went down there for a baseball, for an Orioles Yankees game. It was a, right, it was right, a trip. right, right. And one guy's like, yo, man, take it, take us to like 42nd Street or whatever. So we go down like their little CD district. And man, I felt like that scene in Animal House when they walk into the Dexter Lake Club. Like the music <laughs> went, what? I mean, this was like- Can we dance these... with your dates? <laughs> yeah, that's what it was like, man. Oh, if we had girls with us, the, those girls were done. Oh, I'll give oh, you another God. spot, Mike. Me and my buddies, we went on to a road trip up to Drexel University in Pennsylvania, right near Philly, near Temple. <laughs> boy. Like late at night for all those who've been up in the area, there's a McDonald's not too far. Me and my buddy Mike walked in there late at night, three in the morning. Homeless guy follows in, us in, grabs the old uh, the the forty ounce that my buddy Mike leaves outside, 
sits next to us in, in McDonald's. We're the only white dudes in the place. Yeah. We're hungry. We won't give a shit. I don't care. I don't care about color. Neither <laughs> is my buddy Mike. Guy sits next to us. He's trying to intimidate Mike. And Mike's this big six foot four German guy with a goatee. We called him Anvil, right? And, uh, you know, from Jim the Anvil Neidhart. And he sits next to Mike and he's a small guy and he goes, You can eat that pickle as Mike's eating like a hamburger, like from, uh, you know, from McDonald's. He goes, Yeah, I'm going to eat the, uh, the, uh, the pickle. Then he goes, you want some 40 ounce? He goes, that's my 40 ounce that I left right outside. So we walk mm-hmm. out, we finish our, uh, our meal. 3.30 in the morning, the guy follows us out. He's like, you know what? How about I bust a cap in your blah, 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 blah. Like, yeah, okay, bro, knock yourself out. <laughs> we just walked away, man. But it was like, it looked like, yeah. it looked like fish binds. It looked like Queensbridge. <laughs> rough, yeah. rough. Yeah, man, there was some, like, you know, we always say, like, New York is tough, man. But then you go, like, some, some spots. There's yeah, spots there. like what the I drove through. I think I drove through like one part of like Compton. But it was during the day. I didn't, I didn't think too much of it, but it was like during the day. I didn't. Yeah, me too. Um, it was about 15 years ago. I was out. There. Yeah, I think I've been to uh, been to Miami. Yeah, that was during the day. You know, you know, yeah. what? It was? most of the stuff was like during the day. So, uh. Dallas wasn't bad. I've been to, you've been to Dallas. Dallas I've been, at da- I've been at pretty much every major city in Texas, man. You know what? Austin Austin can get a little seedy, but I didn't really feel Yeah, but Austin's like a weird village right. type of vibe and it's like the homeless guy's just a stoned out hippie. He's not going to stab you for a nickel, look, you know. You grew up in a story, you're ex-law enforcement. I grew up in a story. I I can handle myself in most situations. I guess what I'm alluding to is like situations or places where you felt unsafe. You know, and I never really got that vibe from Austin. You know, it was more like you said, like drugs, you know, you know, drugs, hippie music type yeah. stuff. Um, but like Philly near Temple, the story back in like when we were kids, like we were talking about, like in the beginning of the of the show. Um, I would say Detroit is kind of tough because I stayed around Comerica Stadium. Baltimore wasn't bad for me. I mean, I just basically went to the Yankee game. We went to Camden Park, Camden Yards. You know, I stayed like in the nice spots, you know, so to speak. Um, I'll tell you, out on Long Island, there's really not too many spots, but I'll tell you one place, Mastic. I don't know if you ever heard of that place. Mastic. Yeah, like, yeah, I break, yeah. I break my wife's chops all, all the time because, you know, she's from, she's born and raised out here. And she takes offense when I talk about my experiences growing up in the city and how, you know, I have like a, a tougher, you know, background. She gets very apprehensive about how she's, you know, sheltered or grew up in a sheltered neighborhood or a nice neighborhood and stuff. And she's like, ah, that's bullshit. You don't even live in New York City. You live in Queens. And I'm like, which drives me crazy. Mm. That's an, it's a conversation for another day. But for those people out on Long Island, I think the one place that really took me back was probably Mastic. You know, I walked out there and it's like, I was in a car and it's like one of those places where, you know, don't open your doors, you know, that type of deal. Roll them up. Right. Roll them up. I had a buddy of mine. He went out. Remember Dorney Park out in Pennsylvania? Sure. He says that the that neighborhood that like surrounds Dorney Park is just a dump. Okay. He was out. He was out there like visiting someone, and he's like driving through these neighborhoods. He's like, "Where the hell am I?" <laughs> I mean, yeah. He was like, he goes. It was just like crack houses and burnt out buildings, and you know what was pretty rough too in New York. There's two spots. Rockaway, back in the eighties, early nineties. Well, Far 90s. Rockaway is Far just, Rockaway, dude. That that, that, that that place that, was no joke. That place is like Vietnam still. <laughs> like around, uh, I would say any anything lower than Beach One Hundred Nine Street. I yeah. remember going to the beach back there in the eighties and the nineties with buddies, and I just remember being on that boardwalk, mm. and it's like we were always went like groups of kids, like 10, 20 kids, and it's like, holy shit, like wandering dogs, packs of kids. <laughs> it's like. Yo, I feel like I'm I'm afraid for my life. <laughs> yeah, this is yeah. crazy. Albany, well, I mean, Albany near you. Yeah, Albany, I heard. Is, yeah, is, kinda, is not I so worked, great. I, I worked with a guy that grew up up there, and uh, yeah, he said like parts of it were just a complete shithole. I worked with a guy too, up by he went to school up by Utica, and he said that was a mess up there. He said he goes he he used to go to bed to gunshots. Yeah, man, and then uh, I think Odillo, our friend Odillo, Tony. I think he went to um, a Raiders Buffalo championship game. And I remember him 
it's been a long time since I've been to Buffalo, and I don't really have fond memories of that place either. I was with him on that trip. Oh, me, you him, went to the trip. Okay. Me, him, and Mark went. Okay. And I don't remember it being that bad. I remember him or one of you guys telling me that it was really not great. I went there about. It, it, it's like a run like Buffalo. It's just like a it's it's like a run downtown. I went here. I'll tell you how I was in Buffalo 10, 11 years ago, about okay. 10 years ago for my kids. Uh, my kids used to be on a swim team. That place, the anchor bar that's up there, you right. know, the home of the wing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's in the middle of uh, a ghetto. It's 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 a dump. Like I, I was there at like five in the afternoon because I wanted to try the original Buffalo wing. Okay. So the kids went swimming. They were done swimming for the day. And it was like, we got to go here. We're up here. We might as well go. And we went in there. And like there were crackheads walking around in the middle of the day, right? Like across the street from the place. A lot of burnt out buildings, a lot of rundown. It, it looked like a place from like the 1980s, like you'd see in a movie. Like just like a burnt out, like kind of just like a shelled neighborhood that got ravaged by drugs and never came back. That's exactly that. That to me is like what that part of Buffalo, like where that anchor bar was, is what it looked like. It was just like a shelled out, a lot of old storefronts, a lot of stuff that just looked closed out of business. Right, right. But I, yeah, I wouldn't. But the other side of Buffalo, like where the colleges are, that's not weren't too bad. Too bad. That's yeah, not that, too bad. Yeah, those weren't bad at all. But where that place Delphs was, I wouldn't live there. I wouldn't go like I wouldn't even go up there again for those wings. The wings were all right, by the way. Delphs wings. Yeah. If you're in Buffalo, you. Yeah, if you're in Buffalo, you go. But I would never make a trip to just say I want to go to Delphs for wings. (laughs) Like it's not that great. I'll bring up an old uh, cult classic of uh, favorite of mine: Streets of Fire with William Defoe and. Michael Pare and young Diane Lane. And they, uh, she gets kidnapped by William Defoe, who's like a yeah, biker. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know if you remember the movie. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Uh, he takes her to a place called The Battery, which is like a biker, a whole bunch of biker bomb uh, bars uh, and a whole bunch of like burned out buildings. It kind of reminds me of like some of these places that we're talking about. One place that comes really to mind is like a place called Tim Hickey's in the Rockaways. Remember that spot? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that block it was filled with crack houses. Like yeah. at, the, at the you know it was like a you know a bar where like young kids like us went to back in the day, and then if you walk down the street it was like filled with burnt out buildings and crack houses and shit, and uh, you know this time of year it always brings back those memories because it just seems like you know a lot of people are on the streets a lot of bad shit always <laughs> happens or happened back then, and I, I'll tell you what as bad as New York City's gotten over the last couple of years you know with all the bullshit and stuff. I still don't think it's anywhere near where it was, you know, back when we were growing up or, you know, I, well, I, I mean, don't... there's not 3000 people get, what is it going to get me? What does it maybe hit this year? 500, five, 600, maybe I mean, you know better than I do. I think back it might, day, it was like maybe four or 500, right? Yeah. 2400 yeah, yeah. a year. Right. Well, yeah. I'll tell you what, Chicago's pretty bad, man. Right. I mean, Chicago's numbers are still pretty bad. Chicago bangs it out of the park every week, man. They they go for the gold every week. There's what like thirty per year in terms of murders. Is it eighteen hundred, two thousand a year? I have no idea. I'll look it up, but I have no. Dude, I think that I, I think I don't. I don't think they're high. that high for some reason because I think it's a smaller. You know, dude, I think it's pretty high, man. I do. And we have some relatives over there. My fa- on my father's side, up 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 in the northern suburbs, but um. I don't think I, I've never I've never been to Chicago. Actually, it's one of the, the few spots in the country that I've never been to. I, I, I hear that's pretty rough too. at least parts of it. Uh, blah, 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 blah. I can imagine it's about 2000 people or very close to it. 1800 or some shit like that. They're always in the news. And they got that whacked out mayor Beetlejuice. <laughs> yeah, what a wacko. She's what? a fucking weirdo, bro. How, how some of these people get elected is just beyond me. I mean, try to stay away from politics this episode, but still can't help myself. <laughs> yeah, it's got to be about 2,000, man, if I had to take a guess. What the hell? Hold 1,500, on. maybe. I can't find it. What the F? I mean, what? contrast. Well, uh, I think, uh, yeah. 
Uh, I don't think I it's 2,000, man. You don't think it's 2,000? I think it's pretty close, man. How about Portland? What do you think about Portland with all the bullshit that's gone on That out place there? is just a dump. You know? I, I wouldn't I, live I, there. I wouldn't want to, like, it's it just, I, I I don't know. I, think I wouldn't want to live there. Rough. Portland, right? Okay. Uh, um, good. June 26th, 792 victims were killed in Chicago in the past 12 months. Okay. A lot less than I thought. That's not actually too bad. Yeah. All things considered, I thought it was way higher. Yeah, this is from June. This is actually from June to June. From June 2020 to June 2021. 792 people. That's actually not bad, though. I take it back. Hey, they're under 1,000. Good job, Chicago. Good job. (laughs) I thought it was something outrageous, like 1,500 or 2,000 people. No, I don't think I don't think you have any any other like major cities. I mean, they got to be up there. Like like I said, the place we just talked about, I'm sure Baltimore has a decent amount. Uh, New Orleans and New Orleans covers. I mean, I guess they go by maybe the whole county, how they cover it and you know, because Chicago, I think they just do like a, a majority of these, I'm sure, are like on the south side with the most of the violence. You, you know what it is, Mike? I think, they, like you said, I think there's certain spots in, in, in each major city or these places mm-hmm. that are really, really bad. And I think there's some decent spots within the same area, you know, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, like look at here. Yeah, yeah, perfect example. Yankee Stadium. I worked there for 12 years. Right. My precinct covered Yankee Stadium. And uh, <laughs> for life, and uh, you walk five blocks in any direction in Yankee Stadium in the 90s, and you would hear like a night like this a nice warm night, you were gonna hear gunshots all night. So, yeah, there were people well, gonna get shot. Like, like when I was like 1991, I think, like two years before I got there, there was something like 90 homicides in 1.9 square miles. That's how big the precinct is 1.9 square miles. There was about 90 people murdered. Well, I'll throw a shout out to Gary out there. I don't know why you defriended me on Facebook, but I'll throw it out anyways. I think his father was a detective in the, in the South, Bronx, South Bronx, Fort Apache, back in the day. Yeah, that's the 4-1. You know, those those right. places in the 70s were just like, you went into work every day and someone was dead. Right. That's what it was. You were just going in every day and there was a homicide. What was the crazy shit that happened with our with our neighbor Jules? Back in the seventies, there was some crazy story where he came home one day and we, I, I heard it secondhand. Something happened with, you know, Jules, our neighbor was a fireman back in the seventies, I guess, uh, in Manhattan. Yeah. He was up in Harlem. He was up in Harlem, right? Like, you he know, basically home. when like the city was on fire. Right, right, back right, in right. The seventies. So there's a book called, um, well, it was a TV show where, um, the Bronx is burning. That kind yeah. of encapsulates what you know that time period. Yeah, the Bronx, Upper Manhattan, everything was just you know uh, what it was too was a lot of people knew they were going to get insurance money. People that own these buildings up there and like the Bronx and Manhattan, and they torched it. So they just torched the building and yeah. said fuck it, and they, they let they made sure everyone was out, and that and when was there it. Was nothing else left. We lit a match. We torched the place. We busted the joint out. <laughs> Dude, it's my favorite time of year, bar none. I could talk about yeah. this shit all night. I was actually just, I was listening to another podcast, uh, Defend Your Movie. The guys at Defend Your Movie, shout out uh, Fiore and Donley. And uh, there's a book out about Goodfellas. And they were going through, I forget that it's not Nicholas Pileggi. It's another book about the movie Goodfellas, about it's them making br- it. It's and- funny you brought the, I don't know if it's the same one, but he is, there's a book. I don't know if it's the one that you're talking about. It's by the guy who played Carlo in The Godfather. The guy's in his seven. Gianni Russo? Yes, Gianni Russo. So my buddy, you know, my buddy Fred, he was telling me about this the other day. I don't know if it's this same book, but this guy Russo, I, I don't know if you've heard or if you've, you know, read or anything. He's had a very interesting life. Yeah. I Literally saw him. One, I remember seeing him on Stern years ago, and he told Stern, how he got the role in The Godfather. Yes. Yes. And they didn't want him in it. Yeah. They didn't want him. Yeah. Yeah. 
Then there was another story. I don't know if this is hearsay, if it was in the book or what, but he talks about how, I guess he beat up or killed somebody in um, one of the guys in the uh, the Mexican drug cartel. The guy, um, the guy who's tight with uh, uh, what's his face, Sean Penn. What's uh, El Chapo? El Chapo. El Chapo's not dead. He killed El Chapo. No, 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 no. He killed an associate of his. And apparently, or he either beat the guy really badly or he killed the guy. And apparently, I guess El Chapo in retribution, I guess kidnapped the guy and was going to kill him. And allegedly, he didn't know who he was. And then he realized that the guy was in The Godfather. And he goes, because of that, I guess he was, somehow he, he got out of it. And I guess towards the end, when he released them, he put him in a car with two guys in the back seat. And I guess when he put, when he, when Rossi went into the front seat, one of the guys said, hi, hi, uh, hi, Hello. Carlo. Hello, Carlo. And I guess in the book, he talks about how he was going to get whacked. Like he thought like his life flashed behind, you know, before him, because I guess El Chapo was such a big, uh, big fan of the Godfather. So he guess he was playing a joke on him. And he goes, these two guys were sitting in the back, just like in Godfather. And I guess when he got in the car, he's like, hello, Carlo. And he, he had a, he had a plane ticket with the guy's name on it. And, uh, you know, just like in the Godfather. And he's like, I'm going to get killed. He goes, it's a pretty interesting book. I don't know if it's the one. Wow, you're what, talking a, about. what a great joke to get played on you. I think right? I was going to get murdered. But um, the Goodfellas book, these two guys are talking about it. One of the most famous scenes in the movie was Billy like improv- the Billy Bat scene is yeah. go get your fucking shine box. Right. He improvised. the Well, he he, he switched the lines around when it, it, the original line is supposed to be go the hell home and get your shine box, which sounds stupid. Right. And he just, you know, he puts the uh, go home and get your fucking shine. It, it, it's just, it's iconic. I mean, P, yeah, I'll think about it. It's, it's 30 years and people are still saying it to this so day. You're bringing that stuff up, Mike. So I bought a book about seven, eight months ago, and I've been kicking this around for years, right? I'm on the verge of completing a screenplay. Uh, it's about Joe Stormer and the clash. I basically got it finished. And I have we're in the mafia format. What did a mafia movie? No. They were in the mafia. No, the clash. <laughs> Joe but Strummer. The, 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 the piece I make is like in screenplay in screenplay format. You know, you have certain keywords fade to the scene, cut out yeah, of the yeah. scene. You got the, the dialogue and stuff. Yeah. But basically, there's a part where it talks about improvising. So like if I write dialogue for you, who's playing Strummer or whoever in the movie, right? There's a piece where it just says after the dialogue improvise. So I'm sure in the guy's screenplay and that Goodfellas thing, they probably had it written as you just explained yeah. it. And then behind it, they, they had the words improvise and that guy probably improvised the line. Frank Vincent, I think. Right. Yeah. 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 But a uh, quick story. And then I want to get back to that screenplay, but uh, a quick, okay. the Gianni Russo story, how he got the Godfather was supposedly Gianni Russo. The guy who played Carlo in the Godfather was supposedly completely hooked up in the mob, in the mafia. Okay. And he wants to be in the movie. He goes, I want to be an actor. So supposedly they went to Francis Ford Coppola and said, Mullen Brando turned around and he said, I think it's the same book, Mike. I yeah, really do. Yeah. They're like, like, you're putting him in this movie. And right. they're like, no, we don't want it. We, we apparently, want it. apparently the story goes, I think he grabbed Marlon Brando and he's like, he was acting out and like he, he grabbed Brando really tight. And he said something like threatening to him. And Brando's like, this guy's perfect. Put him in the movie. See, I heard, see, I heard when he was on Howard Stern, he didn't, he didn't bring up the Brando story. He basically said, he goes, my, my associate, my, the familia, La Familia, La Cosa Nostra, whatever you want to call them, the boys, they went into Brando and said, oh, you want to shoot in New York? Oh, that's all union jobs. He's in the movie or you don't get no union jobs or the union, the union will strike on you. You will not make this movie. I heard he, I I and that's he, that's what I heard him say on Stern. I heard he basically grabbed Brando and he like, you know, he was acting out the scene, but he got a little rough with Brando. And I guess Brando turned around and he was like, you know, give this guy the part. He's perfect for the role. Then allegedly I heard that he had a really nice car, like a Bentley or something. And he ended up driving Brando back and forth from the set of The Godfather to his home every day. Okay. You know, he got really tight with Brando and I guess Brando was giving him acting lessons and, you know, when he was driving them to, you know, to the, to the set and stuff. I think it's the same book. It's gotta be, oh. you know, my buddy, was I heard, I heard, about it. I heard Brando never learned his lines. 
That's a big Brando. Uh, oh, yeah. A lot of people say that. Like, remember the scene in On the Waterfront? You know, his whole I could have been a contender scene. Yeah, sure. Stella, right? Right. Stella. No, right. that's no, that's Streetcar Named Desire. On the Waterfront, oh, yeah, he's yeah, the yeah. boxer. Oh, yes, yes, yes. He's I'm in sorry. the back of the cab with his brother. Like, I could have been somebody. I could have been a contender. <laughs> they say his entire dialogue is put up on a wall. And that's why the, you see him when he a lot of times he's like looking up, like looking away from his brother. He's Look reading the all lines. the fuck. He's reading the lines. Okay. And then I just saw a picture of him recently from The Godfather. I think it's uh, Tom Hagen. Uh, what's his face? Robert Duvall. Right. They're showing a scene where like Duvall's holding like a piece of paper like this off camera. And he's talking to somebody else and he's reading the line. They said he would never want to learn his lines. <laughs> Sad way to go. I mean, I was in California when he passed away in 04 and uh, he ballooned up to like 400 pounds. I guess there was some shit, I guess, with one of his kids committing suicide. Right. Yeah. The, the kid that killed the, the guy. Right. Yeah. 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 But good, uh, man. I enjoyed Brando. All right. So you wrote a screenplay about the Clash, right? So the story goes, I'm a huge Clash fan. For those that don't know, I talk, you know, anyways. My, my name, my moniker is DJ Chris Clash, which was given to me by, from Brian, from Katie's in Smithtown. Um, I have a huge affinity for the Clash. So basically for the last couple of years, I read Redemption Song, which is a biography written by Chris Salowich. I got very friendly with him. Chris Salowich was a guy, he's probably close to our parents' age. The guy, uh, guy's in his 70s now, but he basically followed them around. And he wrote this awesome biography. He wrote one about Bob Marley. And I was so moved by the book. And I was so moved, you know, it, it just, it drove me to write a story. And I, I reached out to him one time. And I'm like, do you mind if I make a screenplay off your book? Because it's phenomenal. And there's no movies really on The Clash. No, and I've there's never heard of them. really nothing about them, you know, but they're one of the most influential punk bands back of that time period. And uh, it's a pretty interesting story. So he said, yeah, no problem. He goes, if you ever come to London, he goes, I could probably hook you up with Mick Jones, whose birthday is today, along with my mother, or yesterday, right? And he goes, I could probably introduce you to Paul Simonum. So uh, the drummer, I mean, I'm sorry, the bass guitarist. And I said, cool. So I kicked it around for a couple of years. I had a couple of notes. I bought a screenplay book about eight, nine months ago, and I've been just putting it into screenplay format. And basically, it's, it's the story of Joe Strummer's life and, and the formation of The Clash. I took elements of the movie Queen, Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh, let's all right. Listen, right. let me jump in right here. Don't make it one of those movies where they come up with the song really weirdly. Like it's just how like how quick. Remember, well, there's Queen, one, remember, remember like there's one scene I talk about. There's one scene. That, that, uh, uh, uh. Yeah, I was just kicking that around. There's Every, one scene. There's one scene similar to that. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to lie about Rock the Casbah, which is one of their biggest hits. Rock the Casbah was written by Topper Hedden the drummer who was hooked on heroin, who they threw out of the band. He's the guy that wrote, wrote rock the Casbah. Yeah. And the beginning of the movie without giving it too much away, Strummer comes from parents of diplomats. And he was like a middle-class to upper middle-class kid who was always like looked down upon by like the Johnny Rodden's of the world, you know, because Johnny Rodden's like this Irish guy who moved to London and was like completely ostracized, you know, because he was Irish in the middle of an English neighborhood, English country. And he always looked down on Strummer, who wrote, you know, wrote a lot of his songs were politically charged and they were more towards the left and stuff. And he was like, this guy, you know, he's he's a, he's basically a poser. He's, he, you know, he's a guy, you know, talking about middle class stuff and lower class, lower, low class people stuff. But he comes from like diplomats and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like one, one of the beginning scenes that I write and the Casbah kind of draws into this is that the father was basically shipped off to like India to, you know, you know, basically they got estranged. The kids went into like a boarding school and the parents went to India because he was a diplomat for England. So okay. I kind of tied that in um, without giving away too much of the movie. You know, it basically gives a lot of tidbits about Strummer's life. Um, it also the formation of the clash. And it also, the ending is very similar to the way, I, again, without giving it away. Um, I'll put it this way. If you've ever seen The End of the Doors by Oliver Stone, you know, where he's in the bathtub and yeah, yeah, yeah. after that, it's not exactly that, but the way Strummer passed away, he passed away in December of 2002 and he passed away from allegedly a congenial heart defect. So he walked his dogs, he came back and he dropped dead on his couch. So up until that point, 
about three or four weeks prior to that, one of the biggest regrets <laughs> of Stroman's life was he fired, he fired Mick Jones, which I go into in the screenplay. And I guess three or four weeks before he passed away, he had a new band called Joe Stroman and the Mescaleros. And they, they did this huge benefit for the firemen in Acton, England. And Mick Jones spontaneously came up on stage. They got together. And they kind of kicked around, you know, re, you know, I guess reuniting the clash. But I guess Paul Simon and the, the, the bassist was against it. So basically, right around the time where he passed away because of the heart attack, he, uh, he, he, he sent over a fax to Paul Simon and basically stating to him, like, look, we're going to get inducted into the Hall of Fame in 2002 in another month or two. He goes, why don't we all perform together? And he goes, you know, we have a record deal. And uh, without giving it away, it's kind of like I'm, the end of the story is kind of similar to The Doors and between the way he passes away and between that facts coming ar around about, re you know, reuniting the band. It's a pretty sad story in some regards. It's, you know, it's a song about redemption, which is the name of uh, Salowich's book, The Redemption Song. And uh, I was talking this over with my wife and a couple friends the other week, and they said the same thing. And I think, you, you know, you just said it a moment ago that there's nothing about them. You know, no, I've never heard. Band, you know, then, there's nothing out there. When we talking to, we talked like a couple of months ago, too, about the Ramones. I don't right. think, is there a Ramones? I don't think there's a Ramones movie you know, either. Right? There's a movie called CBGBs, which is about, you know, the the beginning of that band, uh, the, that yeah, bar yeah, yeah. down the Lower East Side. So, oh, is that the one? Alan Rickman, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, I said, that's actually a real cool movie, man. That's a cool movie. So that, yeah, the Ramones that are in out. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like right but, before uh, he died. Right before but, Rickman died, I think. Yes, yes. But there's not actually a, a, a movie about the Ramones, which is another interesting story. And yeah. maybe I'll get around to writing something about that. To me, Strummer always, Strummer has always grown on me the last 10, 15 years, you know, as I've gotten older. Because it reminds me of my grandfather and his populist views and his left-wing views. I'm probably one of the only people in my family, Mike, and for the audience out there that leans right. Most of my family, they're from Europe and stuff, and they kind of lean towards that leftist, you know, vision that Strummer yeah. had. But, um, you know, he's grown on me because basically, without getting too personal, he died the way that my grandfather died. It always reminds me of that, you know, in December of the year. The guy was a people-oriented guy, you know, as far as, you know, he loved people. He loved all cultures and, and all types of music. And there was, I think, a little bit of a regret in the guy's life and the way that the band broke up. Because the reality of it, it was the Clash broke up after about seven, eight years. Yeah. And, you know, I think that if they had stayed together, they probably would have had much a much bigger influence than they did, you know, versus. So, you know, I've been kicking around. I'm almost finished. You know, I've done some research. You know, I, I wanted to reach out to Dito. So we have a, a close friend of ours, Chris, who I'm going to reach out to to see if uh, he has any advice. But I don't think there's really a lot of movie, a lot of money in selling a screenplay. So from what I understand for your first screenplay, I think you can make anywhere between like seven to $10,000 unless you sell it to like a, like a big time producer or if like you're yeah. a, a guy like Cuomo, for example, who sold his book rights. And I think if you write a book versus sell a screenplay, I think you can make more money off like selling the rights to the book oh, versus okay. the actual screen screenplay. But the reality of it is, if I can get it sold, you know, it kind of opens my door. So if I ever do something else, you know, my second or third project, right. if this one's, you know, successful, you know, could really get me paid. So All we'll right. see, man. We'll see. Buy his screenplay, man. Who's ever listening? Buy the screenplay. <laughs> Option the rights, whatever they call it. Yeah, oh, speaking, All right. Speaking yeah. of that, then, like you're all right. So you're a Joe Stroma. I know you're a Joe Stroma Clash fan. Would you go see a Joe Strummer hologram band? Like we, 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 we kicked this around a while ago about hol you know holograms coming back. Would you you would go see a hologram if in a heartbeat, man? In a heartbeat. Here's 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 the top guys. I would say I would see the Beatles, who I you know you know obviously they're a little bit you know you know let, you know they were busted out by the time I was old enough to go to oh, yeah. shows. So it'd be the Beatles, the Clash. I spoke to Salowich maybe about five, six years ago, and I asked him that question when it was, you know, right around the time of the Tupac thing in Coachella. And I said to him, I said, you know, do you think, do you think Paul Simon and, and Mick Jones would ever consider doing a hologram tour? And he goes, absolutely not. So the question that you asked me, yes, I would. 
B, do I think would ever happen? happen? There's certain certain acts that I don't think would ever no. do it. And there. Oh no, no. I, yeah, I think I think it all depends. Like, who needs the money? That's all that comes down. Like, like if the, if those guys in the clash are just like, yo, I just want to go live my life, and especially too bad, they're a lot older. They're I think seventies at this point. All right, let's put it this way. All right, Dave. I mean, Dave Grohl has killed it with the Foo Fighters. Nirvana. Well, what the what the fuck ever happened to Chris Novoselic? I bet if, I don't I don't know what he does, but if you, I bet if you approached Novoselic and said, "Listen, we can put up hologram Kurt," and who even cares about Grohl on the drums? I think the biggest issue, Mike, with some of these things is not that would people go because I do think there's a market for it. Oh yeah, and it's getting bigger and bigger. I think the real issue is like some of these estates and some of these acts. Are yeah, so like, yeah, it's all who owns the rights. Right. But I think, too, doesn't Courtney Love own most of the Nirvana stuff? She is. And that goes back to like, uh, you and know, she, the whole conspiracy theory that we talked about, you know, a couple episodes ago or, you yeah. know, uh, you know, in the sense that I think if he if he divorced her, she would have lost a shitload of money. So, you know, the motive is that allegedly he wanted to divorce her. And uh, before she, he got the, the, the opportunity, she had him off, which is, a, yeah. you know, longest story for another time. <laughs> I wonder what she let's see what she's worth quick. She's she's definitely up there. She's definitely up there. I mean, but, all um, that. I mean, all those like he wrote all right. her. He yeah. wrote all the uh, stuff off that major whole al- album or most of it, you know, for those. Well, first he, one yeah, two. he was like the ghostwriter on it. Right. 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 And allegedly, the conspiracy theory goes that he was looking to divorce her. And if he divorced her, she would have lost all the rights to all the Holy shit. Yeah, she, she's up there, man. $100 million. Yep. A hundred yep. million dollars to do. No- wow, she's 5'10. I didn't know that. $100 million. <laughs> she used to live, I don't know if she still does. She used to live right across the street from the 6th Precinct down in the West Village. Really? They said she was a mess. She had a building there. Brooke Shields lived over there too. We used to see Madonna near my dad's building up on yeah. uh, Central Park West and Seventy uh, Second. Uh, she used to run early in the morning, like six, seven in the morning. She used to have like thirty people running around, uh, you know, yeah. near, near Central Park and stuff. This is like around the time she was uh, dating Jose Canseco back in the day. Oh, okay, you know, like, yeah, uh, like ninety one, like eighty nine, ninety one ish, right around that point. Yeah, but, Courtney Love, I never saw. They said every now and then though, she would just walk into the precinct, whacked out of her mind. Because <laughs> I think she was having neighbor issues, and she would okay. come in like complaining about the neighbor, na- and then the neighbors would come in and complain about her. She'd stroll in at like four in the morning, out of a mind. But who, who also lived across the street over there was Brooke Shields. I okay. met her once. Wowzers! She's this had to be maybe less than ten years ago. In terms of looks are just whacked out. Un- no looks, unbelievable. Okay, like she still looks exactly the same. Yeah, she aged pretty well. She, aged she was very she well. was like walking her dog. She came by. She said hello, and uh, walked uh, right back into her house. But well, yeah, she looks exactly the same. The camera, there's no camera magic with her. Okay. Really, really, uh, really amazing. Um, I guess that's about it for that. Oh, one quick thing. I got to give a shout out. I was supposed to do it last week. My man Chris Beige, the Beige, the Kruna himself. My buddy Chris saw Cruella when we were okay. trashing it last week, and he said we were absolutely right. The movie blew, but he did, however, say the soundtrack was incredible. And I mean, we were talking about how much it costs sometimes to put music in movies. This is a Disney movie. He said the soundtrack is basically every major hit from like the late fifties to like the late sixties is in it. And okay. he said, it's just on. Unre- he said, the music is awesome, but the movie was horrible. So, Beige, I didn't forget you, man. You know, I told you I'd do it last week. I forgot. I did it this week. The crooner is always right. Make sure you knock with your elbows. He knows what I, I'm talking about. I will about. check it out. I, I, I had never got around to seeing it. Yeah, we I'm not going to see. I'm not going to see that movie. <laughs> I'm, I could care less at this point, man. It's, I don't have little kids anymore. There's no reason for me to see it. But, uh, I haven't seen anything. There's been nothing good out. No, it's been it's been weak, man. I think uh, the two movies I'm looking forward to, I, I guess, is 
the Saints of Newark, which we talked about last week. Yeah, yeah, that's September, right? Yep. Yeah. And I think that's being released in HBO Max and yes. in the theaters at the same time. And then uh, the other one is Top Gun 2. You know, that I'm looking forward to that one. Yeah, I. you know what movie I have no real desire for? And I just saw another trailer for it was uh, Suicide Squad. The reboot of Suicide Squad. Yes, 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 yes. I can it, it, Oh, it's wait more, a second. Before we go any further, next week, it's Macho Time. The UFO report got released. Oh, yeah, we got to go into that. Yeah, Macho. Macho Man. Get Ooh, it yeah. up. Get it up. Get all your stuff together, Macho. Get get your chart graphs and <laughs> Venn diagrams. <laughs> Put it all together, Macho. Now he's got to. He's definitely got to go. Come on, man. I, I saw that. Re- you know, I completely forgot about that. I saw it got released. I didn't read anything yet. I, I think we really got to like deep dive, like read it. Definitely. <laughs> Yeah, Macho. Hey, Macho, if you're listening right now, well, next week, be, buddy. Yeah, text me if you still got the same number, so we'll we'll talk during the week. Yeah, uh, I don't think there's anything too earth shattering other than what we talked about, but um, I looked at a little bit of it. You know, we'll get okay. more into it next week. All right, but uh, yeah, we'll, I wanted we'll, to bring that up. All right, cool. And then uh, I think I'm good. I think uh, yeah, I'm good. We I didn't get to a everything. whole bunch of stuff. Let's see, what didn't we get to? Well, we did the holograms. All right, good. The Challenger, we didn't get to that. The explosion. They said they were no. still alive. That sucks. You wanted to talk about foods that built America. Yeah, we'll get around to that. We'll that, get around that that's to a pretty interesting show. Trans athletes. Uh, the openly no gay comment. guy. The openly gay guy in the NFL. Nobody gives a shit anymore, guy. It's not like you were the best player. You know? I think I that think guy that. actually said that so he'd keep his job. Now yeah, that he's, know, he's like in, I, I don't know. So now I don't know it's what like to make you get rid of him, and I don't know what to make of it, Mike. I don't want to get myself in trouble on the podcast and stuff, but I can tell you this: I see a lot of pandering, you know, going on in, in all the yeah. major sports. But it's one, one of thing those I th- did see is that UEFA, the uh, the sports fe- uh, the soccer fe- federation, they ruled against the German stadiums uh, lighting the German soccer stadiums lighting them their uh, their stadium stadiums up in the rainbow colors. Because they stated something to the effect that they didn't want any political messages in uh, in games, in soccer games in Germany. And I think they got a ba- lot of backlash. But um, I don't know, man. All it's right. a touchy subject for a lot of people, so I don't want to offend anybody. That's what I'm talking about, exactly. And uh, maybe next week, yeah, next week's going to be macho time. And then probably the week after that, we'll start getting into the New York City mayor's race. Oh yeah, who's who's leading now? Is it Eric Adams or is I it? Think, uh... Yeah, I think he's gonna win. I think he's got like a double digit lead. Curtis Lee was already the Republican dude. Is he? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I he can't won. really. Uh, I can't really see Sewell uh, uh, beating out Adams if, no. if that's the matchup. Who's gonna tell he... you what? I like Adams. You know, I mean, he's an ex cop. I mean, he seems to be. Uh, you know. Yeah. Of all, of all the candidates, I mean, you know, he's seeing. You know. Yeah. He seems to be touching a lot of different things that I think are meaningful. Look, we talked about it, Mike. I think the biggest thing for a lot of people that live in the city and stuff is safety, man. People want to feel safe. They want to be able to yep. go to a show. They want to be able to go out with their kids, not worry about any bullshit. You know, all things aside, you know, yeah. Yeah. I think he's got a lot of good stuff. You know, yeah. if I was voting in the, in the election, which I can anymore, but I'd probably go to him at this point, depending on what he was said. So, all right. All right. Uh, what do you got to plug? Uh, usual, bro. Uh, Jay Cristiano, Cardinal Financial, uh, Jay. code 4215, uh, 844-442-7334. Give Jay a shout. If you're looking to refinance your house or, uh, purchase a home. Real estate market is still super hot, guys. So Jay will hook you up. He works super quick and I'm not lying to you. He's helped me tremendously. Uh, the Mad Donkey, Tommy D's place. Uh, 3207 36th Avenue, Story of New York. And I am officially booked basically to, uh, I guess, the end of the uh, the end of the end summer. We're pretty close to it. I have a couple spots left. Check my website out, www.djchrisclash. Um, I did a graduation party last night for a really close friend of mine and his kid, uh, Tony. I hope you had a good time. Put some pictures up on Facebook. Tell mention me. the podcast. Mention your friend of Mike. I will, I will absolutely do my best to, you know, give you a discount 
and come the uh, come the fall when the wedding season's full blown again, uh, you know, and COVID's really done, check me out. I'll really uh, I'll really do the right thing by people. All right, so check me out, DJ Chris Clash. Take it away, Mike. All right, all I got my usual. Uh, check out my buddy Jack. I can paint. Provmatic at Twitch. Watch him play video games. And uh, Pat Dixon. Compound Media. He's got New York City Crime Report podcast, which I've been a guest on several times. And he's also got the Crime Report on Compound Media every Thursday live at 730. Subscribe to Compound Media and you can watch all of their shows. Um, It's been a great week. Listen, have a great. I think are we on before 4th of July next week? July 3rd. Uh, July 3rd. So we'll be on before 4th of July. Possibly macho time. Macho time. And uh, that's it, everybody. Thanks for listening. Like, subscribe, share. We love yous. We'll see you next week. The old Rush Rush Limbaugh song. For those that used to listen to Rush. Makes me want to do opioids. We'll see you later. Bye bye. Good night, everybody.